on, look at your neighbor and tell him the following. If you can't have fun in church, come on, tell him. If you can't have fun in church, you can't have fun anywhere else. Anywhere else. Anywhere else. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering of praise. He's a good God. Yes. Amen, amen. Yeah, yeah. For those of you that are here the first time, this is how we do church in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right, yeah. yeah. You know, some people say, I'm going to church. And you know what they mean by that. And then uh, the, your kids, in fact, our kids come here, they don't even want to go home. We finish the service and people are still hanging out. If it can't be fun here, it shouldn't be fun anywhere else. I mean, you come here in many times because you're at the end of the ropes of your life. You come here filled with anxieties and stresses. You come here because you couldn't believe that that person took your parking spot outside, all those things. We should be able to have fun in the Lord. That it, that's what it's about. It isn't that we forget about our cares and our worries. It isn't, the, it isn't that we're riding, walking a religious crutch. It is simply as we were singing, uh, as we were singing before, that there's something about praising the Lord. Come on, do I have a church here? Praising the Lord. I mean, there really is. Um, as we were singing that song, and, and I watched you, and I know your stories. I couldn't help but break down and start weeping when I realized it really is praise that gets us through and gets us out. It really is. It really is. And I want to encourage you always to that moment of celebration. I joined also in the comments earlier to welcome our friends and guests. And we pray really that you have a wonderful time with us. Those that watch us via Ustream, the blessings to them as well and to you as well. Um, I, 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 we get tired of doing church usual. We want a church that is dynamic. Uh, for some of you, it might be the only time you come to a church all week and all month. No, not all month. That's 90 days. So you want to be able to gas up as much as you can to make it through what goes on on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that's what we're all about. But thank you for being here today. Today we're embarking on a teaching series that I'm excited about. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about uh, family matters. And over the next three weeks, I will be starting today, I will set a foundation and do a teaching from Scripture. Uh, because I've realized, church, I've come to the conviction for a, a long time ago, but I realize again today that it is important for us to be able to have some kind of foundation that will help us to make it through life. And it isn't about being religious because we can point to religious experiences that have kept us feeling hollow. And rather than give, took away. But if we look at scripture, we will find that there really, God in his infinite wisdom that we will never be able to understand, he actually uh, created for us uh, two lasting institutions uh, that were a gift to mankind. And we know in the book of Genesis, the Lord created. I love the way he created because he simply spoke. He said, let there be, and there was. Just read through the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Um, and, and he established two entities, two organizations. I guess if I'm looking at it from a business perspective, if you want to see two corporations that God started, I'm going to talk about one of them today. Uh, one of them we find in the Old Testament, and which is what we're going to focus on today, this institution called family. And I'm going to look biblically and scripturally on what does that mean, what, does that, what, are, the, what are the meaning of that term or idea called family. If you look at the Old Testament, the other institution that God created for us was the church. And you know, leaders come and leaders go, but family keeps standing. Right. 
Leaders come, leaders go, and the church keeps standing. Scandals visit families, but today family is of utmost importance. Certainly scandals visit churches, and yet the church is still standing. I love in the New Testament when the Lord says, and I will build my church. In fact, if you believe that at its word, you should never attend a church growth conference because Jesus will build his church, not a conference. So the Lord will take care of the church. The same thing with the family unit. And you might think it's, it isn't important, but it is very important, in my opinion, that we have some kind of foundation to, to stand on with regard to family. As time goes on, our culture and context and the world movement, politically, socially, is changing even the definition of family or, what, or, or, or how it looks, the texture of it. But in order for us to get a true sense of what family is about, we need to go back to the book and see what God wants from a family. So I want you to stay with me over the next several weeks. The teaching today will be linked to the teaching this coming Wednesday. The teaching this coming Wednesday will be linked to next Sunday's teaching. And next Sunday's teaching will then be linked to the following Wednesday again. There's only going to be four sessions. And I want to encourage you to stay with me because it's going to be, we're going to mount, it's going to be cumulative as I go through some biblical principles. But more than biblical principles, I wanted to apply to your life today. So for example, today I'm going to start at the beginning. So we'll talk a little bit and I'll share with you uh, the celebration of the beginning of family. That's what I'll deal with with the text that you find up there in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. Uh, but then next week, I'm going to talk about uh, another important matter of family and that is that singles matter. Singles matter. And that means if you've never been married or you're divorced or you're, or you're a widow, you decided not to be with anybody else, you matter. Uh, statistics show right now that the growing group of people in churches are singles. Come on, singles. <laughs> and let me, let me add something now that I'll unpack later on. Marriages are made, made up of two healthy single people. If you're a sick single, don't get married. Because you're going to make another person sick. But if you're a healthy single person, get married. Because marriage is made up of two single people. And we'll unpack that later on. But if, if marriage was the utmost, then why didn't God create marriage first instead of creating Adam by himself? Well, we'll leave that. We'll come back to that later on. That's going to be Tuesday. just want to pique your interest. So it's next Tuesday we're going to unpack that because, in my opinion, singles matter. But then, I mean, sorry, Wednesday. And then next Sunday, you need to come back because following this theme of family matters, I'm going to talk about that marriage matters. Amen. If that's where you're led to, let's talk about that. And I'm gonna, I wanna, and as you'll see today, I want to lay that if we can't talk about it here, we can't talk about it anywhere else. So I want to be, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure some of you are going to leave uncomfortable today. But you need to know the truth. So we're going to talk about next Sunday, marriage matters and how that plays in. Remember, the church is called the bride of Christ. So there's a link between the church as an institution that God created in the New Testament and family as an institution and agency that God created in the Old Testament and the link between both. Aren't we called the family of God? Okay, so that's the overarching ideas. And then the following and final segment that we'll have that Wednesday of the, uh, not next Wednesday, but the following one, because only four sessions. I just want to guide you through a discussion that I've entitled A Pastoral Look at Being Single. And what I'm going to do in that fourth session is really talk to you fatherly, like we're sitting down and it's just you and I talking, and give you some advice 
on how you can be a healthy, promising, and happy, and filled with joy, peaceful, single person. And I think that's important because, again, that applies to the largest segment of our church, but also applies to the other half of marriage as well. So I'll be talking to everyone here. That's going to be the final. So today, we're going to deal about celebrating the beginning of family, Family Matters. So next week, we'll talk about single. I mean, next Wednesday, Singles Matter. The following Sunday, Marriage Matters. And then the last session will be one on the pastoral look at singleness. Let's look at the text. Because the book of Genesis, by its name, it's called Beginnings. So it's the, the book of beginnings. So when you want to start to understand how God in his cosmic being, and put religion aside, simply want to understand how God being a cosmic being, being eternal, living and never aging, never changing, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the beginning and the end, all that we understand about God, where he steps out of eternity to enter the scene of the temporal and be born and incarnate like, like we celebrate Christmas. So if we look at Scripture, which is the only, the only written reference that we have to understanding God, there are other books, but in the Bible we find what we can as human beings understand about God. All right, Any revelation, any illumination, all will emanate from that book. So we'll go to Scripture and find out what happened at the beginning because right after God finished creating by saying, let there be and let there be and let there be, then he took a moment and created what was the beginning of what we understand today as family. And if you look at Genesis chapter 1, I'll read it uh, through the NIV and then I will comment on it because I want to talk about three specific things today. And that is that we are created in God's image the perfection of God's creation of man. And the third aspect is the purpose of God's creation for man. But let's go to the text. It's uh, the New International Version, Genesis 1, 26 through 31. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them, note the text, rule over the flesh of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So... God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over it, over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the other, uh, and to all the, and to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move uh, on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant uh, uh, for food. So it was so. And then God saw. Say God saw. God saw. Say it again. God saw. God saw. God saw that all He had made was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This passage is the launching pad for, for us to be able to understand where it all began with regard to family. We see here very clearly, in my opinion, verses 26 and 27 in particular, that really God is the one that initiated the creation of man. Uh, contrary to popular belief, and I'm given toward, I love science, it's my favorite subject, it was not an, ami an amoeba, that clashed with another amoeba, and all of a sudden in a Petri dish, poof, there you are. 
It wasn't the clashing together of two atoms in the, in the universe and somehow, some way, where statistically it is mathematically impossible for that to happen, but nonetheless we believe it. I sometimes believe oftentimes it, is, it, is, is, it takes much more faith to believe what we're taught in the science books than it is to believe what we're taught in the, in the Bible. But God intended to create. He had just finished creating everything that exists, and then he decides to create man. But I want to tell you something that I, it might offend you, might bother you, might make you uncomfortable. But if you have a pet, like you have a pet, a dog, a cat, right? And some of you have told me, he's like my baby. Sleeps with me, bathes with me, eats my food. Come on, don't look at other people. You know it's true. I'm looking around. You told me, you told me that. He's my baby when I'm sad, makes me happy cries with me, and I'm sure he smiles. <laughs> oh, come on. And some of you say, Pastor, you're wrong. He definitely smiles. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's probably true. Brings a lot of comfort, no doubt. But there is a distinct difference between God creating your little doggy and your little, and your little cat and you. And here's the difference. It says in the text that we are made in the image of now, what does that mean? And if you were in seminary, it's that term they call imago Dei, which translates to the English, the image of God. So we're made in his image. But if you leave it there, it's still bland. What does it really mean? If you go back to the book of Genesis, when God created this and that, he spoke it into existence. But when it came to creating you and me, he got his hands dirty. He formed in the dirt, very different. And then a different step or an additional step that he did with man that he did not do with the other, with the other uh, members of creation, then the Lord breathed. And if you look in the original Hebrew, it's hot air or a divine air or, a, a, or, or part of his, his, his essence as God. He breathed it into Adam. And then it says that Adam became incorporated alive. Did not do it with the other animals. Did not do it with the rest of creation. But when it came to you and me, we are a unique and special and particular creation. That's why you can look at your neighbor and tell them you are really special. And don't mean that Bellevue's special. You mean special. Sometimes we equate one. You notice, you notice this, that you were in play, the dog was not placed to rule you because you're the special one. And what makes you special? That you and I have within ourselves creativity, the ability to strategize, the ability. You, you notice that back when I was in, in elementary school, they sent the first monkey up on a rocket into space. But the monkey did not create the rocket. That was the ingenious mind of engineers and people that understand, understood aerodynamics and lift and being in, the, in our atmosphere and blasting through the atmosphere. They were the ones that put it together. You know, those of you that have pets, and you've done this, you're not going to confess this today because you're holy and righteous and you're like perfect. But you know, you've left early in the morning, left Fido all by himself, and you came back late at night. That poor animal, you should be put in jail. That poor animal, 12 hours, 18 hours all there by himself. He knew he was hungry. But I doubt if you came home and found your dog making rice and beans and cooking some frying some chicken, <laughs> the minute you opened the door, the dog was looking at you kind of funny. 
But he didn't have within himself the creativity to put things together, turn on us. And I know you're going to tell me, yes, but they're cats that flush toilets. <laughs> Let me leave it there. Let me just leave it there. <laughs> your dog does not have the creativity to make your bed, to cook you your best food. He's hungry, and he knows he feels hunger instinctively, but he doesn't know how to cook his own food. You, on the other hand, your feet don't hurt, your head don't hurt, your back don't, doesn't hurt, you're sick, you can't even crawl out of bed, but you will find something to eat. Because you have hunger pains, but you're not going to stay there with the instinct. It's like the example I've told you before. It's about the wildebeest, and, and I, I watch the Animal Channel all the time. I, I, these, well, you've heard me say it. The wildebeest jump into the, into the same crocodile-infected river all the time. Every year, migrations, millions of them jump in. They see the croc, and they jump in. You and I, because we have the Imago Day, day one, we will look at the river and say, oh, my God, yes, why don't you go ahead and jump? I'm going to wait. And then based on what we observe, the next year, we build a bridge over that river. Yes? 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 The Imago Day, the imprint of God, is inside of us that allows us to be creative. So the, the animal kingdom doesn't have that. And all I want to make with this point is that you are a special creation. In fact, it says in the text that we are created in his likeness and image. Listen to this statement. So in all of creation, the only living entity that most resembles God is you. Have you thought about that? It says we're created in his likeness and image. In the totality of who he is, an impression of God is inside. Now, you're not God but you're the best example of a reflection of God of any living thing. Now, that should do certain things to us right now. That means we have an awesome responsibility to make sure we, re we represent him well. That we're living right because we're representing him. So when we look at the, the, the text, we find that it really family all began with the creation of man. And God goes in there and he had this idea. God, God is the one that initiated. Note the text. He says, let us make man. Let us create man. And then God in that verse 26 and 27 also talks a little bit about the purpose. He says, let's make man so he can rule and have dominion and manage or be good stewards of creation. So the responsibility of taking care of creation really falls upon you and I. That's part of God's plan in making us who we are. And, and you need to keep that in mind. I, I don't think any good Christian finish, finishes eating his hamburger and hot dog, and then as he's driving the car, wraps up the paper and throws it out the window. You make sure that the plastics go with the plastics. I know it's a pain, I know it's a problem, and you say, well, it's going to be mixed up anyway. Never mind, that's rationalization. What we need to do is throw it where it needs to go. Amen. Every good believer, starting today, ready? Starting today, assignment, assignment, ready? Ready for assignment? Ready for the assignment? Every good believer of this church, every participant of this church, not only do we have to celebrate in the offering like we've done, and if you come here, you're a participant, but from now on, you're being deputized. Ready? Because we're supposed to be good stewards. So you better not walk by and see paper on the floor and not pick it up. Amen. You better not leave Sunday today. I'm gonna, the other day I was walking through the building. Sometimes I come in here by myself when there's nobody here. And I just walk in. I just want to talk to the Lord by myself. So I'm by myself. And I'm crazy. Sometimes I pray for the seat. That seat that you're sitting in has, has been prayed for by me. And as I'm doing a very spiritual thing, holy thing, 
I look, and I'm, I'm not even going to look at the section that I was looking at. Because I was saying, Lord, reveal to me. I could not believe what I found tucked underneath there. That proves that we're not being good stewards of what God has. If anybody needs to protect the environment, I mean, the temperatures of the world are going up. We need to be not only praying, but be active to, to do something about that. And you say, but that's a huge task. God is never going to ask a task from you and me that we're not able to accomplish with his help. Never. And so he put us here not because you're cute, you are. Not because you're, you're, you're smart, you are. <laughs> but he put us here with a purpose. We're not accidental. In fact, people that are even born out of, uh, 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 out of bad relationships, you're not an accident appearing on the history of mankind. God has a plan over your life. And he put us here with a purpose to rule and have dominion, dominion manage, and be good stewards of creation around us. We need to make sure that we take care of you. You know, and it's, it's hard. It's bad. I was walking through a lobby, and, and, and there was paper there, and it wasn't my paper. It wasn't my garbage, but it shouldn't have been there. there was a, I, I can't understand how a guy can shoot a basket from 30 feet away and get it zoomed right in. And then our, our, and it's not just our teenagers, but people can't put trash in a three feet away. It's not my job. Then what is? Let me tell you what your job is. We're supposed to be good stewards of what we have. Come on, say hallelujah, praise the Lord. And make sure that we preserve. That's what God put. And he made him in his image and likeness. He created him. Uh, the idea is implemented, implemented by God. God goes ahead with this creation. Because God wanted to continue to beautify the earth. And you and I need to beautify. And we were created with that imprint of God. Now let me just be pastoral on this point here. That does not mean you're God. That just means you look like him. You have a resemblance of him inside of you, but you are not God. And that brings a certain level of responsibility over each one of us. So the first item that I wanted to share with you was that, that we are created in his image and in his likeness. The second thing is the perfection of God's creation. And, and you know, we have a lot of conversation going around in our context that brings confusion to living. I don't think that God's intention is for us to be confused. If we go back to the man, owner's manual and we go back to God's original intent, as I, as I taught from this pulpit before, everything that you and I can know about God, we're going to find it in this book. But in order for you to discover it, you have to get into it and you have to start reading. And he said, but yeah, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, I don't have a seminary. You don't need, just with your simple faith and curiosity, start there and God will start to reveal to you yeah. things. So if we go to the book, we don't have to worry about being politically correct. We have to make sure that we're biblically correct. And if we look in the text, look at this text. Now, here some of you may not stop saying amen. I hope not, but let's see. Verse 27 says, male and female, he created them. So in God's perfect plan for creation of mankind, he made them male and female. Some scholars talk about this whole dynamic as the perfect and imperfect creation. That two imperfect beings now come together and the perfection of their unity, they're able to procreate. It's an interesting concept when you unpack it a little further. But he made the male and female. So God's original plan, God's intent for us, for all of us, was this pattern that God presents. Why? Because the plan of God was to be able to have man, male, female, be able to fill the earth. Now, let me stop you right now because some of you are looking at me real strange. Where is he going with this? 
This is not a bashing anybody uh, sermon. I'm just telling you what the, the script says, but if you watch and listen to me carefully, you won't be confused by what I'm going to say. God's perfect plan was male and female. He created them. But mankind has a way of distorting and destroying good things. The depravity inside of us has a way of deforming what God had already formed in his place of perfection. So keep in mind what I just said. God's plan was for male and female to procreate. Now listen to this. Outside of any scientific intervention, in the natural world, only male and female could procreate. Right? Now I know about the Petri dish. And like I tell you, one of my pet peeves, I'm not a medical doctor or anything, but I, science uh, intrigues me. It has to be eight or nine years ago. I remember reading an article one time that it was a scientific paper, and it started to say about, uh, uh, about procreation and human beings and populating the earth and even populating other planets. I get to read those crazy kind of things. Some of it is really way out there, but I read that one. And the article, one of the uh, concluding points that it makes, it says, don't be surprised that if in the future generations you will look out into cattle grazing and know that inside of those cattle there are human embryos that are being held for gestation. Now, you may say, ugh, but science has that capability. If today we can join two cells in a Petri dish and from there take those two cells and implant them inside a human embryo and then a baby is born from someone that had no sexual intimacy with a, with a, with a man or a woman, they implant it and a baby is born, this is not too far-reaching. Not too far-reaching. Are you with me? But let's go back. God's original intent, what was it? His original intent was that male and female get together for procreation. That was God's plan. Now, I, I need to make some pastoral comments here as well. That doesn't mean, because we're living in a world that's crazy, so let's bring it today. We, we're living in a world, and even in this church and people that we know, we have family members that had made lifestyle choices. I believe that the church has made a horrible mistake over the past generations. And that is that we beat up on people that we really should not beat up on. Because in God imprinting in us the Imago Dei, we represent God, but we're not God. The only one that can judge is God. You following me? Now, some of you are very, very smart and astute. You're saying, well, what are, you, are you giving license? No, I'm not giving license, but you know that it's true. We have family members that you have told them, don't do that, don't do that. It makes me sad. It makes me angry. It gets me upset. But they go right ahead and they do it. Do you cut them off? Do you no longer relate to them? I believe that the church needs to be the exemplary model of loving. And loving doesn't mean that I even agree with the choices you've made. Loving doesn't mean that I'm quantifying or qualifying the decisions and the choices that you're taking in life. It's just saying, I might not like what you do, but I still love you. I might not like the decisions you have made, but I still love you. And love doesn't mean that I'm signing on the dotted line for your lifestyle and plans. Hallelujah. Got real quiet in here all of a sudden. You were laughing a few moments ago. You better greet me at the end of the sermon. I'm just telling you what the book says. And he says male and female. So God's original plan, his master plan, but all of you know, we're very good at messing up God's original plan over our lives. We're so far off the scope sometimes. I mean, if you look at later on, I'll be talking about marriage. God's original plan for marriage was that you stayed married. That's what it was. There's no option for divorce. It even says in Scripture later on, God allows it, not because he wanted it, but because of our craziness. That's what it's amount to. But do we stop loving? Absolutely not. 
And the church needs to be known as a loving entity, a caring entity. So God, in his perfect creation, he made male and female. The focus was on procreating. He made imperfect and imperfect come together and yield another human being. As I said a few moments ago, in the natural world, procreation can only happen between male and female. No other way outside of scientific intervention. God created male and female in the animal kingdom in general and specifically for mankind. Hallelujah. It is almost the, the, the bringing together of two single people together creates an entity that, is, uh, that, that the Lord blesses tremendously. That's the, 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 the perfection of God's creation. But let's look at the purpose, the last observation. First one was, uh, we're created in his image. You got that? The Imago Dei. He, we have the imprimatura of God, the imprint of God inside of us. We're the, perf we're the reflection, the best reflection of any created being here on earth of God. Then I talked uh, just a few moments ago about the perfection. He created male and female. Man distorted the roles and the, and, the, and the paths that people take, but that was God's original intent. And latched with that original intent was his plan for procreation. But I want you to see this third observation in verse 28. He says, and then God blessed them. I like those three words because what it's saying is that God's intent and plan was, how many people want to be blessed? Amen. How many people want to have a full life? Amen. Live a life of purpose? Amen. You know that's what God wants to? The question has to be then, why don't I? It isn't because God, God doesn't change. So his intent and pleasure and joy is to bless you. If we're not blessed, it's because we're not in the place of where the blessing is flowing. It's like God is showering the blessing over there, the place of obedience. But I'm over here running around with Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Mary, and Drew, and all over the place. But God's not blessing over here. He's blessing over there. His perfect plan is the shower of blessing there in the place of obedience. Listen to me. Not in the place of religiosity. Religion hurts and, and has rules and regulations. And what it does, it distorts our plan, plans moving forward. But God is not about that. Not about that at all. But there is a, a place where his blessing is being showered upon. But oftentimes, we're not there. We're out of alignment. We're out of the place where God wants us to be. We missed the opportunity. Because the Lord, will, it's right there in the text. Then God blessed them. And, and I love it because when God blesses, he doesn't fool around. He really blesses. He blesses your yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Gives you a promising future. Uh, puts this, uh, the skip back in your foot. Hallelujah. In your step, rather. That's what God does. He says, God bless them. So the purpose of God creating man was to make man better and make his life more enjoyable. You know, it's like when you meet someone and you, you, you saw them and how are you? Ah. And you meet them next year, how are you? Ah. It should be something better than what you had before. Today, you should be better than you were last week. I mean, barring some situations that happened that might. But generally speaking, you should be, you should be tracking up. Hallelujah. Tracking up. And when we talk about the family, the family needs to be a place where that blessing is enjoyed. I know this doesn't happen to you because you're perfect and you're, you, know, you walk on water and all that. But, you know, those family gatherings when, oh, there comes that uncle again. Party was fine. Oh, we got to put up with it now because. And we put up with it. You know, family needs to be a place of joy, a place of peace. I remember coming home uh, to my mom, and, you know, we, we grew up very poor. Uh, but there was never this thing of, why are you getting here now? 
All your brothers got here before you. No. It was the celebration of the moment. Home needs, and church needs to be this way, by the way. Because as I mentioned in my introductory statement, there needs to be a connection. It's the celebration of that you're there. Not that you, oh, he showed up. I can't believe after what he did. After what my titi said, after my, my auntie said she's here. I can't believe that. You believe the nerve. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Can you see who just walked into the church? Don't look, don't look, but look, don't look, but look. Oh. And you're like, do I look or don't I look? What do you want me to do? Paint me a picture. Do a selfie. If it's blessed, then it's got to be a place of joy, of peace, of tranquility, of getting along, of unity, of harmony. That's family. That's church. That, that what it needs to be. It's a blessed place. That's the intent of God. He says in the text also, watch this closely because some, of you mis some people misinterpret this text. He says, then go and be fruitful and increase in number. <laughs> I'm the 11th of 12. Look good for the 11th of 12, right? The 11th of 12. I am totally convinced that if my mom was getting married today, today, she would not have 12 kids. <laughs> I only hope that they would have stopped at 11. So you say, yeah, but in the, in the, some people live under this crazy notion that they're supposed to fill the earth <laughs> all by themselves. That is only not, that doesn't make sense socially, but it's also not even biblical. Because the re, watch this, because I'm, you know, again, I make you uncomfortable because I, all I know how to do is try to lift the intent of the word. And how I read it right there is, obviously it was Adam and Eve. Obviously there were animals on the earth. Obviously God wanted the earth populated. So he told Adam, not you. So don't be telling a couple, no kids yet? Go pray. Pray for yourself. You're stopping at two? Go pray. Go read the word. That is not your response. I read an article recently. That's my problem sometimes. I read too, many, too much stuff. And it said that right now, right now, you need a quarter of a million dollars, U.S. dollars, to raise a child to age five. My goodness. Age five. And you say, well, what are you telling me, Pastor? I'm saying you make your decision. At the end of the day, you make your decision. But what it's saying there in the text about be fruitful and fill the earth, that was a command specifically to Adam because there were no other humans on earth and they needed to populate the earth. That is not your responsibility. If you believe that, do you believe the scripture that says pray without ceasing? Come on, come on. Or to follow Pastor Enos' commentary, give your tithes. If we're going to be that literal and fundamental about looking at the text, let's apply it uniformly across the board. No, that is not what it's intending there. And you need to be able to realize that was not God's plan. I mean, I'm glad that my mom was born when she was born back there in the early part of the, the last century. And I'm glad that they went past 11 and I'm here today. But as I said earlier, I don't think that I would be here if my mom was born today. They might have stopped at 4 or 5. And now who knows, maybe I would have been born, I don't know, somewhere else. Because I was going to show up. Uh, I was going to show up. No, not, not even more. I had to show up. There was no way I was going to let anybody else marry Pastor E. I was going to marry her. So I was going to show up. 
I'll come up, I'll be Indian or Chinese. I don't know, but I was gonna show up. Maybe not the 11th of my family, but I'll be the first of another family somewhere. I was gonna show up. Anyway, why are you making me do this? I'm just, let me stay on the tech. By the way, this is family stuff. This is how it should be. This is how it should be. So there was a purpose. And then he said the third aspect I mentioned, and there's some themes that I'm bringing today that you'll hear me repeating over and over over the next uh, sessions, and that was this whole concept of dominion over the earth. So the purpose was to bless them. The pur purpose was to be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, and the purpose was to subdue or rule over. And I want to encourage heads of households, this will come out, you need to have rule and dominion over your home. That doesn't mean dictatorship rule. That doesn't mean dictatorship rule. But that means, and I understand my role, and I'm speaking directly to the men of the house. I understand the biblical concept of priest of the home. But most of the decisions I don't have to make as the, I'm the man, I'm supposed to make all the decisions. But there's a certain level, and my wife, have, we've been married now, going to be 41 years, and we, this is the way we operate. Decisions are made in our home unless we talk about it. So this is mutuality of respect that we have for our own input, and sometimes she's right. Well, let me, let me, can you erase that? Erase that, back up. <laughs> and sometimes I'm right, and she's right. Most of the time she, let me see if I can clean this up. Mopping, I'm mopping, I'm mopping. <laughs> There's a mutuality of understanding. And decisions aren't made solo. And oftentimes when you make a decision alone, you make the wrong decision. The Bible says in the, in the multitude of counselors, there is with, wisdom. Right? So it isn't that you come with a rule and hammer and you're, you know, you're making and, and dictating. But it really means that you are responsible. If you notice in the way we carry out, now we have eight pastors here in the church. This sermon only I could preach you. We have some great preachers in this house. You can, we really do. But this is a pastoral sermon guiding the direction of this church. So I have to do this one. But if you notice what happens here, even today, I didn't have to do the opening prayer, the receiving of the offer, make the announcements. No. That doesn't diminish leadership. What it does is it embellishes leadership, in my opinion. Are you following me? So we need to understand that's what God was saying. You are responsible for this. God wasn't taking his hands off creation. He wasn't taking his hands. He said, family needs to be this way because it matters in the plan of God. Have dominion. Rule over. Be a great steward. Let me recapitulate. So we have here in this text, as we start off this family matters, and the term family matters is that family is important, but there are also some things about family that are important. So it's family matters. We find that you and I need to start off at this launching pad, and then I'm going to close in prayer and, 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 and we'll end. If family matters, we need to realize that we are created in God's image. We are different than the rest of creation. There's a specialty about the way we came to being. Number two, we have to realize once again and keep brewing in our mind that God was striving toward perfection or excellence in, he, in creating man. That his perfect plan was such, later on it gets distorted because that's what mankind does. Distorts things and, and they want to do it there and we want to do it our way. But God had a perfect plan in the manual that we find in scripture. And the third observation in having family is that it needs to be the purpose for God's creation. In this church, that's what we want, what I want us to realize. In this church, we need to realize that everyone that walks into this building experiences time here with us are a special and unique creation of God. 
There are no favorite people. And I'm submitting myself to that as well. I know who I am. I don't have a weak and distorted ego. Maybe I have a lot of other problems, but certainly not that. And so there's not this hierarchical looking at down. Oh, you just got here. You haven't, you have, wait till you really learn. No, no. The Lord says, come as you are. And I want this church to continue down that track that we celebrate and affirm the dignity of individuals, regardless of how they walk in, regardless of lifestyle cho choices that they've made. Can we love on people like that? Because we're not the judges. Ultimately, God is the judge. And then we realize also that what we need to give back to God is perfection, because that's what he did when he created you and I. And the way we deliver perfection is through excellence. And excellence is the best that you can do with the resources that you have. Someone could do it better, but excellence for you is the best that you can do, the best that you can do with the resources that you have. We need to strive and push toward living that way, that we are on time for commitments, that we, the, that we work what we're supposed to work, that we do and we, we make a commitment and that we keep the commitment. Excellence and worship is not just here, but it's also outside of this place. That we keep our word. That when we say we're going to show up, we do. That when we're going to finish a project and a task, we do that as well. That we're going to exude, because we're the best representation of God here on earth. And we need to make sure that we represent him well. We're all, we're all ambassadors of Christ. and We're representing him. We need to do that excellently everywhere else, regardless of how people react to us. That's what we need to do, and this church needs to be that way. That when people walk in, they feel like they're connecting with us. In fact, they should feel so comfortable walking in here that it would be uncomfortable for them. And what I mean for them, for, for them is, these people are like that? <laughs> yes. They're always smiling. I had nine strangers hug me. And three of them kissed me. Be so loving. Be so loving and caring that regardless of stature in society, level of academic achievement, wherever they're positioned in life, there's a loving embrace, not a judgmental hand, but a loving. If we do that, church, we'll see ministry happening in a powerful way. And then thirdly, we as a church, we need to embrace the job description that God has given us. Our neighborhood is changing. I told you... Uh, before, I'm just going to repeat briefly, by next summer, there is an expectancy down here south of, the, of Houston Street that there'll be 15 to 20,000 new people living here. They're all going to your building. <laughs> There's 6,000 new units of housing apartments are coming in, of apartments, and of all strata, market rate, and also affordable housing coming in down here, right? We need to make sure that today we as a church begin to get ready to re receive people that will come in here and we need to celebrate those because they matter in the, yes. in the hearts of God, in the eyes of God. Yes. They do. They matter beyond our cultural context. I know who I am. I am a very proud, and I don't mean it in a negative way, I'm a very proud Latino male. But I understand, I understand that you don't need to be male or even proud to come into this house. But I know who I am. But I don't throw it as a badge of honor. No, it's just that I'm settled in who I am. I told you I'm the 11th. I don't have hang-ups with that. I went through enough ther therapy to clear that out of my system. The 11th child. 
my, my, my point is be settled in who you are. As a family, as a church family, that will allow us to be a place for people of different walks of life to land here. I, I think our church is, is taking a turn. And we need to be very, very careful in discerning the times. Taking a turn with what is going on down here in our neighborhood. What happens in this area happens throughout the city and impacts the rest of the world, in my opinion. So if there's going to be 20,000 people coming in, where are they going to go to find light, to find acceptance, to realize their intrinsic value in God's creative plan? Where are they going to go? We need to be a church with open arms, a church that embraces, a church that is not perfect. Let me see your hands. How many imperfect people do we have here? I love you so much. Look, two hands. Two hands, imperfect. I'm on the front line. I'm not 11 now. I'm one. I'm a front line. Right? That we realize that, but we also understand God's grace over our lives. And when we do that, church, listen to me closely. When we do that, we will be a church family that matters in this community, that matters in this city. That people, I went last Monday, I was up in Albany. I was telling the, the prayer meeting before we had here with the leadership. I was up in Albany. They invited me to do the prayer for the opening of the state legislature. They do this every year, just about. And uh, I was there in the legislative session, and I'm seeing people walk in and out that you see in the newspapers. It's amazing. Some of them may believe they didn't know me and didn't see me. That's cool. I'm cool. One person came over at the end, the prayer. You know, I try, it was an all-day thing, but it's a 60-second prayer. And after I was done, that I was getting ready to leave, Peter was with me. And then um, as we were leaving, an elected official comes over, and we're talking Political business, the church, community, all that stuff. Right? After we finished, okay, got to go. Got to get going because I have to get back. Great seeing you. Have a great legislative session. And in my mind, I'm saying as boring as these things can be in the audience. <laughs> and she turns to me and says, Pastor, give me a hug and pray for me. We need to be ready in the chambers of power. We need to be ready where it's outside of this circle to embrace family. I went to a powerful meeting this week, and we had Deacon Ninfa, Pastor Enid go with me, and Pastor Veraldo as well accompany me. We were at night show because of what's going on down here in public housing. And we finished this meeting. It was an interesting meeting, very intriguing. And at the end of the meeting, we're downstairs in the lobby. Now people are passing us by, going to get their lunch or whatever, in the lobby of the building. And I remember at that moment, Ninfa hurt her back, Deacon Ninfa. And so Pastor Ina said, let's pray for her. We didn't go looking for a chapel. We didn't go look for a corner. Right there in front of the express elevator. Right? We believed and we agreed together in prayer. We need to be ready for that church. In season, out of season, we need to be a family that matters. A church family that makes a difference. It starts here in this place and extends itself everywhere, including your workplace, including your families and your home. We need to take this seriously. Let's stand and bow our heads for prayer.